Hey, everybody, welcome to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. I'm Brian. That's Ross over there. Ross, today we're in week three of our What Mormons Believe series. So we've covered so far what Mormons believe about God. That was pretty eye-opening. Last time we covered what Mormons believe about Scripture, which again was so radically different from what Christians believe. And today we're going to cover a topic that maybe people wouldn't be expecting. We're only going to cover five topics in this series. Today we're going to talk about what Mormons believe about humanity. And I guess the first question people might have is, why does this make the cut? Why does it matter? I understand how beliefs about God are important to theology or beliefs about scripture are important to theology, but why does humanity, what what Mormons believe about human beings, why does that even make the cut? Yeah, if you stop and think about it, you know, how you view yourself is going to have a lot of impact on how you look at the meaning of life and and what you think life uh, should, how, where, how you should conduct yourself and, and what your destiny, your future, your past, who were you, you know, who are you really? What kind of being are you? What, you know, are you just a random product of chance? Are you cosmic dust? Or, or who really are you? And, and how you think about who you are in the grand scheme of things, in your, your cosmic identity, you could say, is really going to dictate a lot about not only how you see yourself and your place in the universe, maybe how you see other people too. Yeah, when we did our systematic theology series, I encourage people to go find that at pursuegod.org slash sistheo. This, this made the cut in that series as well. What Christians believe about humanity, about the human condition, is foundational to understanding who Jesus is, why Jesus had to come, the whole thing. So this really is something that any faith uh, system has to answer, what do you believe about human beings? And I think what people are going to be shocked with in this episode is that the Mormon answer to this is worlds apart from the evangelical Christian answer to that. And we've got yeah. four points that we want to sort of help people to understand. Again, we're going to help people to understand the Mormon view of humanity, but then, of course, we we want to make sure to explain the biblical, the Christian view as well. And the first one, Ross, is that Mormons believe human beings existed before this mortal life. They call it the pre-existence. Yeah, the, the, the doctrine of the pre-existence is really important in Mormonism, and their whole, what they call the plan of salvation, we'll look at that in a future episode, but the whole, the whole narrative of, of what happens in, from our from the beginning of our existence to our final, you know, uh, our final end, um, that narrative, they believe that before this earthly life, that human beings existed as eternal spirits, and even, even um, before that, that we existed as what the Book of Abraham calls intelligences. Hmm. There's a sense in this different thing. There's senses in which, in the LDS worldview, humans are uncreated, ultimately uncreated, created in our current form, but ultimately uncreated, ultimately co-eternal with God and with the universe and everything else. Okay, so let me, let's let's camp on that for a second, because I think people, you know, sometimes I like to listen to podcasts at one and a half speed. I don't think this is one that people can do that Slow for, because yeah. you might have to really stop and think about this, especially if you're a Christian listening to this. This is what I have to do. I have to really, I have to dig a little bit 
into this. So you're saying, Ross, that in some sense, Mormons believe that humans are uncreated, just like mm-hmm. God is uncreated, and that they're co-eternal, just like God is eternal. That right. that so that there's a they were they always existed and they always will exist, just like God. Yeah. So in for example, in the Doctrine and Covenants in section ninety three. It says, man was also in the beginning with God. Mm. And so, and again, and again in uh, Abraham, Book of Abraham uses this term intelligences. So before we were organized as spirit children of God, our Father, and Heavenly Mother, um, we, we existed in some kind of form, in some kind of undefined form, and the Mormon scriptures don't really give us more information about that. It becomes very speculative, but there's some kind of form that human beings existed in. And if you remember in the, in the podcast about the nature of God, we, we talked about how God and human beings really are the same species. So this isn't that surprising to hear this in the, in the Mormon worldview. But then the next thing that happens is that, is that these intelligences are birthed in some way in a spiritual sense birthed as literal sons and daughters of heavenly parents. So Abraham 3 says, Now the Lord has shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was, and among, and among all these there were many of the noble and great ones. So these intelligences then um, became these personal spirits that were created by God in the pre-mortal life. If it sounds confusing... It, it it kind of is okay. So let me let me get. I was actually just talking about this last week with somebody, and I, I don't think I really fully understood this. So it seems like maybe what they're saying is that they're that they they're these, these pre-existent, co-eternal, uncreated intelligences mm-hmm. that eventually um, Heavenly Father and one of his wife, wives, they have spirit babies. In a sense, yeah. So it, you start as an intelligence, and then you become a spirit baby, yeah. still still in the pre-existence, yeah. at least pre, pre-worldly. Pre-worldly life, yeah. yeah. And then the third part of that, then, is then when you're born into the world, that's when you get a physical body, and right. now you can start your progression toward godhood. Right, and you're born into an earthly family here and so forth. Yeah, that that's probably, a, a, probably as clear as it... We could bake it. Okay, but is it biblical? <laughs> like, I guess again, somebody, a Christian listening, to, even a Mormon listening to this, would say, "Yeah, what's wrong with that? That's what that's what I've always understood. That's what the that's what the Doctrine and Covenants says. That's what Abraham three says. So this is what I've always understood. So what is what does the Bible teach about human yeah. life? There's a lot we could say, but I'll try to keep it in it, keep it brief. That in Genesis chapter two, it shows the creation of Adam. And when God made Adam, he didn't put an existing personal spirit into this new body that he had formed, uh, but he animated that body with the breath of life. So Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So, so again, it's not like he brought this spirit that existed before into the, this shell of a body, and then that he became a living person, but it's when God... Whew, animated his own breath, the breath of life, uh, into him. And so that gives us a different picture of the origin of, of human beings in, the, um, in this mortal world. There's, there's, there's no other place where um, 
where in the Bible where God, where we existed, we existed in the knowledge of God. He knew in advance, knew who we were going to be, etc. But actually, in an independent existent in a previous preexistent spirit world that's not supported in Scripture. Okay, now let's let's just spend let's camp out on this just a little bit more here because I've been to Mormon funerals before, and on more than one occasion. I've heard them say, as they're trying to make sense of this loss, like one of them was a friend's dad, he was a young guy, he wasn't, you know, it was kind of unexpected, and he, I remember one of the bishops got up and spoke at the funeral, and he said, he chose this for himself in the pre-existence. So part of, you know, when I, when I look at this, I have a lot of problems with this first point, because Again, what they're doing is they're, they're usurping God's authority, essentially. This is why I think what Mormons believe about humanity is really important to understand from a biblical point of view, because the main problem that I have with it is that there's very little distinction between God and man, because exactly. as we talked about in week one, God was once a man and, 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 and became a God, and, and you can become a God someday too if you progress. And so really, essentially, like they're saying that this intelligence thing and the preexistence, and I don't know if this is part of their doctrine or not, but basically they're saying that you even got to choose what kind of life you were going to live and what kind of death you're going to die. Yeah, to some extent. Now, here's the thing. It's good at this point to differentiate between what I would call standard Mormonism and folk Mormonism. So the standard Mormonism teaches the idea of the preexistence as part of this big narrative. Folk Mormonism fills in a lot of the blanks that would not be authoritative in the church as a whole, or would... that Folk Mormonism are things that are widely believed by many Latter-day Saints, but they're not officially taught by the church. They may have been sprinkled in in some general authorities' comments here or there, but they're not officially taught in a manual or something like that. So there's a lot of folk Mormonism about the preexistence. Um, and the, so the preexistence functions as a sort, sort of a form of karma. And so in, Mormon, in the Mormon world, it, it gives them a satisfying answer to why people in this life are born in such different conditions. Some are born in poverty, some are born in wealth, and um, some are born in, in, you know, just with diseases, some are born in different races. And, and so for them, they're thinking, oh, that's a, that's a function of, in order to, like, this their way of trying to maintain justice, I guess, in the universe, to say that that is a function of how you behaved, what you thought or did, or how you acted in the preexistent world. And so if you are valiant and you're a strong follower of God in the preexistent world, then you're going to be born in, in Mormon folklore in, um, to, a, to a white family in Utah, mm. you know, in, in, our, in our generation, or I've, after the Restoration. Yeah, and I've also seen how it, this folk Mormonism takes this turn of making sense of evil in the world. Yeah, exactly. Or making sense of bad things in the world. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember one person was was explaining, to, a Mormon was explaining to me um, uh, a, a Down syndrome child. Mm -hmm. And what they said was, well, they chose it. It was their choice. And, the, and that's good. It was there. So it's, al it al it's almost a way of saying, I'm, I'm good with it because it's what you chose. Yeah, in the pre-existence. In the yeah. pre-existence. Yeah. Like, you, you had a reason for choosing, kind of like what Christians would say about God. Like, look, I trust God. I don't understand why this would happen. But at the end of the day, I throw up my hands and I say, I trust God. He had a reason for this. Right. God is all-powerful. God is in control. Uh, who am I to question God? Who am I to question his authority? 
Who am I to question his judgments or his decisions? And I've heard Mormons say that about people in the pre, essentially people uh, in a current situation that we would look at and say, how could that have happened to this person or how sad that is? And they would say, I trust that person. So again, they're t- it's mm-hmm. almost like they're taking the place of God with this concept of the pre-existence. Right. We, all want, we all want a reason for why things are the way they are, and the reason is, well, it's either it's either God, trust God, or it's like, oh, you made a choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so then the, 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 this added idea of having made a choice in the pre-existence, again, for some people, I could see how, again, it might not be official Mormonism, but I can see how that would grow. That would be something that Mormons would sort of hang on to. Yeah, it, the, the pre-existence, the idea of a pre-existence has powerful emotive appeal Yeah, for many reasons. So a lot of, a lot of LDS families believe that in the pre-existence they chose to be a family, mm. to be, I want to, we're going to go be a family together. When we're all born, we'll be born together and be brothers and sisters. Mm. You know, so, wow, that's interesting. So you can see how that has, you know, like, it's heartstrings attached. Yeah, the problem, again, not to, not to state the obvious, but the problem is it's not biblical. Right. Okay, so Mormons right. believe human beings existed before this mortal life, but the Bible teaches something different. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two, Mormons believe that human beings are the literal offspring of God. Explain that, Ross. Yeah, this is kind of, we've been verging on this a little bit. We're going to clarify what we've just said in the last uh, point. When Mormons say that human spirits were created by God, they mean that God is our Father, but not in a metaphorical sense, but in some kind of a very literal sense. And so one of the LDS training manuals, Gospel Principles, says all men and women are literally the sons and daughters of God. Man as a spirit was begotten and born of heavenly parents, reared to maturity in the eternal mansion of the Father prior to coming upon the earth. And so it's the idea that that um, the God, the God, the Father is is not my Father just by, by virtue of creation, or even just by virtue of, or by virtue of adoption, which was what Christians would say. But there's something literal that happened in the preexistence that that He begat me. Um, in some way, we don't know what the mechanism of that is, or how how that works with uh, with Heavenly Mother or whatever. But there's some literal, very literal sense to it. Okay, so pardon my ignorance. So would a Mormon say then that the, the uh, spirit children of Heavenly Father, are like our adult, they can be adults then before they come into this world and re- restart as babies, as infants? Yeah, yeah because um, the whole story of the preexistence, and I think we'll touch on this uh, when we talk about um, salvation, the big part of the, what happens in the preexistence is that there are, there are choices that the preexistent spirits have to make that dictate, and we touched this a minute ago, that dictate their, their fate on earth. Now, that, part of that is official Mormonism, because Mormon, the Mormon teaching says that there was a, a war in heaven. Uh, there was an opposition between Jesus and Satan, who are two of the literal offspring of the of Heavenly Father, um, who both wanted to be the leader, um, and they had a different plan. And so, you know, things devolved into some kind of a conflict or war, and depending on how you, cho- how you chose uh, to respond and who, you're gonna, who you followed in that, in that conflict, it has implications for, for life in the, on this earth. And so, um, and so that, my point simply being that, yes, there are adult 
spirits making adult choices, you know, and then, and then at some point in time, we start over again in the physical realm in this mortal world. Okay, hang on a second. Hang, hold, hold your horses, Ross, because you just said something that I'm sure some people are going to be like, what? What did you just say? Did you just say that Jesus and Satan are brothers? Yes. That's what Mormons believe. Yeah, yeah it, not in, I mean, uh, let's say that um, I don't want to caricaturize their, their views and just kind of make a, a cartoon picture of that. But the, the whole idea is that every human, every spirit, um, that we're all part of one, one species, God the Father, and he became exalted. He had these spirit children. Among his spirit children was Jesus. Among his spirit children, they would say, are you and I. And one of his spirit children rebelled against him. That was Lucifer, who hmm. became Satan. And so um, because he rebelled against God the Father, then he was never able to enter this world in an embodied sense. That was his punishment. Mm. And all those who followed him were never embodied in this second phase of the, of the created story, and so they never had an opportunity to return to the Father and be exalted or saved or whatever. And so, yeah, so in the Mormon worldview, you have all of these spirit children. Jesus and Lucifer are two of them. One of them serves the Father and becomes our Savior, one of them rebels against the Father and becomes the adversary, becomes the devil. And to, and to, to top it all off, they're kind of like our older brothers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Spirit, they're our yep. spiritual older brothers. Yep. yep. So again, for, for Christians listening to this, you're probably saying, wait a second, I kind of thought Mormons were just like all the rest of us. And now you're beginning to realize how fundamentally different Mormonism is than Christianity. Right. I mean, this is these are fundamental. We, we're on we're only on lesson three of what Mormons believe, but these are some really massive, crazy differences between Christians and Mormons. And, and number one, I want Christians to understand that. But number two, I want Mormons to understand right. that. You know, Ross, right. I think it's important for Mormons who are listening to this. They might not even fully understand what Christians believe about it. Totally. Which is why I think it's important that we're we're helping to unpack this for both both sides here is is Mormons believe that humans are the literal offspring of God. They believe that that Jesus is our older brother, that Satan's our older brother, that Jesus and Satan are essentially, you know, mm-hmm. uh, spirit brother brothers. Yep. Jesus made good choices, Satan made bad choices. And then finally, uh, let's, you know, because you mentioned this, Ross, then what happens is when, when we're born into the world, that's when... We start over again with mm-hmm. a human body, and we'll talk about more about this mm-hmm. next week when we talk about salvation. So many of these topics sort of overlap yeah. here. Yeah. But essentially, this is why, on a practical level, right, Ross, this is why Mormons have such big families. Yeah, because they're trying to depopulate the preexistence, mm. you could say. They want to bring all the spirit children in the preexistence into the mortal world so that they can continue their progression. And, and if they can bring them into an LDS family, that's even better, because they have then a leg up on what their life might have otherwise been. Okay, now let's talk about what the Bible teaches about this. So Mormons believe that human beings are the literal offspring of God, but what, what does the Bible teach about it? Because the Bible uses this 
concept. They, they call us children of God. So what does the Bible mean when it says that? Yeah, the Bible teaches that people become children of God by faith, not by nature, not by birth. So in John chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who believed in Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from a human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So, so he says there's not this... There's not a physical childhood nature. It's a it's a it's a spiritual relationship, and we become children of God. We weren't always children of God by faith. And then other passages talk about how we are adopted into, like Romans eight talks about how we are adopted into the family. We become children of God by this by adoption, so that we weren't God's children and now we are God's children by His grace. Okay, so. So the Bible teaches that no one is a child of God by nature, but that we become children of God by faith. Another passage for us, Romans 8, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call to him Abba Mm -hmm. Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Ross, maybe it would be good just to pause here for a second to people listening who who aren't believers yet, maybe they're just investigating, maybe they're coming out of Mormonism, maybe they're just, listen, they mm-hmm. came across this podcast and they're just listening because they're inquiring minds, but they say, they say, how, how can I become then a child of God? Like, let's make this really personal. Yeah, for sure. This, it's important to understand that God invites us, he invites you to become a child of God. He wants that relationship with each and every one of us, um, but it happens when we surrender to him and trusting what Jesus did, because here, here's the problem: is that we're born into this world not um, not with this fut- this previous um, identity and as spirit children of God. We're born into this world with a with a nature that inclines us away from God, and we're constantly choosing our own way instead of God's way, and tr- trusting in our own knowledge instead of what God says. And and so the Bible says that that is sin, and it, it alienates us from God. And so we need to be made right with God. To, in order to be his children, we need to be adopted into his family. But there's an impediment, and that's our own rebellion and our own self-centered way of living and, and self-directed life. Jesus died on the cross for that, to pay for that, pay for all of our sins before God, the things that separate us from his holy nature and righteous character. And so when we trust in Jesus and receive then this new identity, Part of that new identity is we become adopted into the family of God. We can know you can know Him personally. You can know God, like it says in the in the passage you read, Brian, um, as Abba, Father, an intimate. That's an intimate um, way of saying Daddy. You can know God with this intimacy um, to know for sure that He loves you and cares for you, and that you ha- you can approach Him and talk to Him and rely on Him in everything. Yeah, and if you'd like to do that, we talk about this in depth in topic six of our Pursuit series. So I encourage you to go to PursueGod.org forward slash go and take a look at topic, actually topic four, topic five, topic six, because yeah. in topic four, yeah. we talk about what the Bible says about human human yeah. beings. Yeah. We talk about sin, we explain all of this, and then in topic six, we help you to make a response to trust Jesus for salvation. So I encourage you to check that out and to do it, really go through that with a Christian friend or a mentor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ross, let's get back here to this topic at hand. The third thing that Mormons believe then, 
and we've we've already alluded to this, but let's spend a little more time. Yeah, they're on all this. related. Yeah, is that human beings are the same kind of being as God? So, so in essence, you know, in, in lesson one of this series, we talked about what Mormons believe about God, and today in lesson three, we're talking about what Mormons believe about humanity. In essence, these two topics go hand in hand because they believe right. Mormons believe that human beings are the same kind of being as God. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it, it kind of follows, right? Because if we're literal children of God, it follows that God is, you know, if we're literally connect Him in that way, then He must be the same species that we are, the same kind of being. And in, in fact, one of the, the L, an LDS article on the divine potential puts it like this. He says um, that they consider every person divine in origin, nature, and potential. And so another quote, another source says, each, is, each human being is a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents, and as such has a divine nature and destiny. So a divine nature means that we're essentially the stuff of God, of deity. A divine destiny means that we can become everything that God the Father is now. And so that's, a, that's radically different from you know, a biblical perspective on the relationship between humans and the kind of being that God is and the kind of beings that humans are. Yeah, here's what the Bible teaches. Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5 help us out. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor? Now, I could see a Mormon taking that passage and saying, yeah, see, that's kind of what we're saying. That's essentially what we're saying. We were made a little lower than God, but the same species. But what is the psalmist really saying? Yeah, he's saying there is a distinction. We were made lower than God. You know, in other words, we, there's a ceiling that we have, and God's above that ceiling. So I think it's a great blend here. Back to our original question about understanding who we are as human beings. This, is, this says it in a pretty profound way that that on one hand, we're mere mortals. And so he says in verse 4, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? God's not a mere mortal, so that's the, that's the difference. You know, so there, we have this humility about our position, but at the same time, he says, we're also, um, we, we're also these amazing creatures. Yes, we are lower than God, but God has crowned human beings with some kind of glory and honor that, that, that he bestows upon us, not, that we, not because we are glorious, but God bestows upon us. So this is this this great this kind of a paradox. But there's there's a sense of like yes, we are creaturely, we are made by God. We don't exist apart from Him, and yet yet we have some kind of dignity and some kind of honor. That that's who we are as human beings. We're completely still dependent on Him, but we have this place in the universe that um, that God has given us a place of honor. Yeah, and I think that is the biblical response to the Mormon understanding of humanity, because you, we open up the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the first chapter, chapter 1, and it's talking about the creation account, and, and that God creates all of creation, and then on the, on the sixth day, he finally creates humanity, and mm -hmm. all the other days, he said it's good. He had created the sun, yeah. and the moon, and the stars, and the water, and the birds and the fish and everything, and he says, it's good, it's good. He keeps saying it's good over and over, but it wasn't until the sixth day that he says, ah, this is very good. So there definitely is something different. Mm -hmm. Humans are the crowning achievement of God's creative work, but they're creatures. I like how you said right. it, they're creatures. They're not of the same order as God, right. never will be. Yep, 
That's a pretty fundamental difference. And yet, number four, Mormons believe that human beings are capable of becoming gods themselves. And we're, we're going to talk more about this in a future episode, mm-hmm. but let's at least spend a little bit of time on this today, Ross. What, what does that mean? Because again, for a Christian listening to this, they'd say, what? What did you just say? You, Mormons believe that human beings can become gods? Yeah, and it follows, again, it follows with all the, everything we've been talking about. If God was once a man who became a god, if we're the same, uh, the same origin as in the same divine nature as him, then this is really the uh, implication of that, is that Mormons believe that we could actually become powerful beings that create and rule worlds that are populated by our spirit offspring, just as God did previously. And this, the Mormons call this exaltation. Yeah, let's read this passage from uh, LDS.org. To live in the highest part of the celestial kingdom is called exaltation or eternal life, and we'll talk about eternity, what Mormons believe about eternity in a couple weeks, Ross. But it goes on to say, to be able to live in this part of the celestial kingdom, people must have been married in the temple and must have kept the sacred promises they made in the temple. They'll receive everything our Father in heaven has and will become like him, they will even be able to have spirit children and make new worlds for them to live on and do all the things our Father in heaven has done. Again, that's mm-hmm. shocking to hear yeah. that this is what Mormons believe. Now, is this folk Mormonism, or is this yeah. legit what Mormons actually believe? This is pretty legit, or it wouldn't be on LDS.org. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what Joseph Smith said about it. He said, you have got to learn how to be a god yourself. Mm. So now, now the current, currently the church softens that a little bit um, by saying, you, you learn to be like God. They've stopped saying, you can become a god, and they started saying more like, you can be like God in every manner, mm. but they're really two ways of saying the same thing. You know, that the idea is that we can do everything that God does um, that we have, human beings have the potential to do that if we follow all the, you know, like you, it mentioned in that quote that you read, if we follow all the right ordinances and practices. So, Ross, how does this impact, I don't know, the culture of a, of a Mormon ward, a Mormon church? I, I'm, I'm thinking about this in our church, right? That we, mm-hmm. when we sing worship songs, we sing to God. Everything that we do at a Christian church is and this is really what Mormons say to us, is just how Christ-centered it is, how God-centered it is, how it's really, it's really about worshiping God. It's not about me. It's not about the person, the man. It's not about a prophet. It's not about me becoming a God. I guess my qu- a question probably a lot of Christians would have is, what, is, what kind of impact does this have on the culture of a local congregation, this idea that you can become a God someday? If you, if you cross all your T's and dot all your I's, I would imagine that that could really create some problems at the local level. It's challenging, because you know, different individual Mormons take this more or less seriously. It's, there's a, some level in which everybody takes it at least pretty seriously, the, because it ties into the idea of families, because this, this exaltation is not an individual achievement, it's a family achievement. And so when people leave Mormonism, it ruins that for their family, or, or they're so—it it explains why they're so or 
oriented around family activity, family reunions, family togetherness, and so forth, which can be good things, but they, they reflect this underlying sense that this is our eternal destiny lived out in this world today. Mm. And some of them, you know, I think some LDS people think, well, that's a great idea, it's a nice idea, but, you know, they're not necessarily working that hard at it. Mm. Um, other ones take it very seriously, and, and there can be an, even an arrogance about, you know, I'm going to be a god, and they sort of act like one now, mm. you know. Um, um, so it, it, but it does create challenges. It does raise... And for those who don't feel like they're, they're living up, it creates a second-class citizen, basically, in the LDS Church. Now, what about women? Can women become gods? Like, how, how does this come across for a woman? You know, a, a man can become a god, but do the wives have a different kind of role? Yeah, the, so here implied in the statements that we've read from the LDS sources, the idea of, of um, we can create our own spirit children and populate worlds with them and so forth, well, that, that happens in conjunction with a, with a wife or wives. It's, there's a polygamous angle in there, too, somewhere. That, so the, the wife is involved, engaged in sort of the deity or the godhood of her partner, that together they become this divine couple. Um, now, a woman can't have, a, have it without being married to somebody um, because, of the, because the idea of procreation and its offspring is so central to the whole thing of exaltation. So some women have said, well, I don't like the idea of being um, eternally pregnant with spirit babies. <laughs> Why not? That sounds <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> exactly. But again, the most, most LDS people would say, well, we don't really know exactly the details of how that works. And they'll go into, you know, kind of, it's a little bit speculative. If, if you take this basic idea and you start to play out all the implications of it, the logical conclusions of it, um, it, it, it's not always, it doesn't always work out very perfectly, but most LDS people would say, well, we don't really know. We don't really know that, whether, how that works. All we know is that is this. And so there's a certain bit of maybe agnosticism about hmm. like the details. But, but, but probably the average Mormon would understand that, that a man could become a god. Yes. A man can progress to godhood, and then his wife would be his... It would be heavenly mother with him. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and in the church recently, really, um, there's been more and more emphasis on heavenly mother. Mm. Heavenly mother has never really has always been ignored, mm. um, um, you know, with the emphasis on God the Father and so forth. So this, there's this resurgence of this idea of of honoring heavenly mother in some way, and um, it doesn't go so far as like to praying to heavenly mother or to really giving her, you know, much due. But it, it there is a movement. In Mormonism, to say we need to, you know, we need to realize that if our worldview is correct, then there is this heavenly mother figure who has a significant role to play. Okay, so let's finish with this because when when we did in our Sistheo series, Ross, on the Pursue God podcast, we talked about what Christians believe about humanity, and really we started at the very beginning with this idea of sin, the mm -hmm. concept of mm -hmm. sin, the concept of original sin, mm -hmm. this idea that that we're all every single one of us, like we have this sin problem. What do Mormons then, now that we've kind of covered everything about godhood and, and, and how similar humans are to gods, and Jesus is our older brother, and so is Satan, and all that kind of stuff. So what do Mormons then believe about sin, and original sin, and some, some of the basic theology that Christians have? Yeah, so the, 
Uh, one way to look at it, some people have said that, in Mormonism, have said that human beings are gods in embryo. In other words, the very first seed of a potential being, you know. And, and what that implies is that, implies that, that we are at very least neutral, we're born into the world at very least neutral morally. Um, that we don't inherit any sin, we don't have... In fact, um, Joseph Smith is very clear, so very clearly about how we're only responsible for our own sin. There's no such thing as inherited or original sin. Um, and, and so the idea that Mormon people say, yeah, we, we will sin, people can sin, we have the capacity to sin, but we're not sinners by nature. Um, and so sin is not inevitable for the LDS person. It's not like part of who we are. So, so there are are there are there LDS people walking around there, thinking that they've never sinned before? Nobody would probably say that, mm. but they're they do believe that that they can overcome sin on their by their own efforts, and they can um, they probably believe that you know they're essentially better than um, than maybe in our worldview we would say about human beings for mm. sure. Yeah. So what do Mormons believe? Is there an official stance on Adam and Eve and the fall? And how do they view that, what Adam and Eve did in the garden? Yeah, they're, they're definitely clear. The Book of Mormon speaks to that. And they talk about how um, it's, it's an odd thing, and it, and it takes some, maybe some time to explore. But in a nutshell, that God gave Adam and Eve two conflicting directives. Um, Either you could, he said, "Don't eat of the fruit of the of the um, tree," and he also said, "Be fruitful and multiply." And so they believed that the fruit of the tree, in some way, had to do with sexuality. And so, unless they ate of the fruit of the tree, they could not be fruitful and multiply. Mm. Um, so these they're two in, in in inconsistent with each other. And so they believe that Eve was actually courageous to eat the fruit of the tree in order to fulfill this higher calling, this higher uh, destiny that God has. So they would look at it not as we, we, would, we would call that original sin, they would just call that a transgression. In other words, it wasn't that bad, and it led to a fall, yes, but a fall forward or a fall upward is how it's sometimes been phrased, that, that it's what created the, the capacity for human beings to fulfill their larger destiny of procreating and filling the world, and ultimately then also filling, you know, the spirit world in the future realms. Yeah, now I'll listen to this, and I, I can imagine, I can understand the appeal, right? The appeal of, what, like you said, Ross, that traditional Christianity says you're broken, you're yeah. sinful, yeah. you were born into sin, but Mormonism doesn't say that. Mormonism yeah. says, look, you, you don't inherit your father's sin, your grandfather's sin, Adam's sin, Eve's sin. Like you, you can make your own choices. So it's kind of this American religion, like yeah. pull yourself up by yeah. your bootstraps and, and you can... So again, if you're just looking at this uh, and you're, you're comparing these two faiths, and maybe some people are doing just that, listening to this, they're saying, this is kind of appealing. I like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> here's, the, here's the problem. Yeah. And it goes back to what we talked about last time. Yeah. The problem is Scripture says something different. We can't make up our own religion. If we if we if we were to, it would probably look like Mormonism. If I Ross, if we were making up our own church, our own religion, I'm sure we would 
cut and paste a lot of stuff, and we would definitely not use the sin stuff. We would get rid of this. The problem is we can't. There's truth, and the truth is given to us in Scripture. And so, again, if you're a Mormon, especially if you're a Mormon listening to this, I really encourage you to to listen to these a couple of these passages from Roman passages from Romans chapter three. This is what the Bible says about sin. Just a little sampling. There's so much more. But these are great verses to end this episode with, Ross. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, it says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. And then verse 23, famously, Romans 3, 23 says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us, every single human being, that's what Scripture teaches, and that's why it's really important for us to understand in the next episode when we talk about the solution. Because, Ross, if you don't, again, for a Mormon, if a Mormon is listening to this and saying, I don't really see the problem, Mm -hmm. then you're really not going to be open to the solution, are you? That's true. That's true. And let me add just one more thing, Brian, to close this. For a Christian who's listening to this, who's never been exposed to Mormonism before, some of the things we're talking about sound really outlandish and far out and like cosmic, like almost science fiction. But I would say, um, so it'd be easy just to kind of scoff or to mock the Mormon ideas. And I would say, look, there's a certain sense in which this worldview is internally consistent. That it makes it, if you if you accept the premises, then a lot of these things make sense in and of themselves, and it creates kind of a, a most for the most part a pretty consistent internal system. This is if this is true, then it makes sense why you'd say this and why you'd say that and the other thing. And so I want to have a little empathy toward our LDS friends to say, you know, um, first of all, for most of them, this is just simply something that they grew up in and part of the culture that their cultural identity. But for them. There's a lot of areas that make that where it just makes sense, and as you pointed out, I think really wisely, there's a lot of areas where this does appeal to something about us as human beings that we we want to see ourselves as maybe being divine um, potential or mm-hmm. to be better than we really are. Yeah, Ross, for you, why don't we end with your personal story on this? You grew up in Mormonism, so for you. Was this, hard, was this a hard one for you to wrap your mind around, the biblical per- conception of humanity versus what you grew up with? Yeah, for sure. It, it really, it, it was it's so different. Um, it was so different. But what over time for me, again, we've been talking about the importance of just rooting our beliefs in the Bible, and, and the more I was exposed to the Bible and the more that people who were walking alongside me um, helped me to read and, and, and grapple with the Bible for myself, it just leaped out at me. Eventually, it just leaped out at me. You go, oh, this really is the, the nature of the human condition. This really is our need. And it became more and more obvious from Scripture. And then the thing about, I've always felt like about the idea of, the biblical idea of sin, is that it maps so realistically to the real world outside that we observe. <laughs> so so that was that's my story a little bit. Well, that's what Mormons believe about humanity. Again, if you want to find discussion questions to talk about this with your family, with a small group, or one-on-one with a mentor, you can find it all at pursuegod.org forward slash Mormonism. And make sure to join us next time, because in week number four of this series, we're going to talk about sort of the next logical topic. Now that we've talked about what Mormons believe about humanity, next we're going to talk about 
what Mormons believe about salvation. So join us next week. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.